This is a post-Christian podcast. Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Meet Your Congregation. It is Jay, me, and uh, Caleb, as usual. Hello. And we are uh, doing exactly what it's called. We are meeting our congregation. And today, we are meeting Amy, who's an Instagram friend of mine, all the way from sunny, the Sunshine State, <laughs> Florida. Is 407 in Orlando? Yes, it is. I'm in the land of uh, Mickey Mouse and alligators. Ah, classic I, combo. Nice. That's. I went to yeah. high school in Orlando. <laughs> I went to Dr. Phillips. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know that. That's yeah, awesome. I lived there for a little while. It was uh, where a lot of my partying happened. Oh, yeah. Same. <laughs> yeah. It's a very good party town, actually. Yeah. Um, and my, one of my best friends in the world, Bo Julian, who owns Julian Properties, is from Orlando. Hmm. So anyway, okay. yeah, that's a little tidbit for you. <laughs> um, almost died a few times in Orlando. Really? But yeah. <laughs> I think it's a common occurrence for a lot of people yeah. where people come to let loose or to retire and die. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So, um, well, welcome. And what are we, what are we, I don't know how we start this thing off anymore. We've done 18 of them so far and I can't remember how to start them off. <laughs> well, uh, how about this, Amy? How did you, uh, first come into contact with Revolution or with, with Jay? Yeah. So, um, I actually first, um, heard about Jay through watching the documentary, The One Punk Under God. Um, so I know a, a lot of people, um, were, really impressed with that and i really appreciated that it was probably about nine or ten years ago maybe um so that's when i was first kind of exposed to revolution which you know i was in awe of how dedicated you were to re-examining your faith and your beliefs and just being so transparent about your experiences with your parents and all of that and i also really appreciated how you stood up for and were so accepting of the lgbtq community um, even if that meant you might lose some of your support um, from, you know, the Christian community. Um, so that just meant a lot to me because I'm bisexual. My younger sister's gay. I have a lot of friends who are gay. So um, I was like, okay, this is a person that I really respect their message of love and inclusivity. And yeah, a few years after that, I read your book. It's called Fall to Grace. Maybe? Yeah. Yeah. That was the second one. Yeah. So I read that. Um, and then a couple years ago, found you on Instagram. I was like, Oh, what a wonderful human. So definitely wanted to be friends with you there. And then, um, yeah, I saw some posts about, um, the revolution podcast. So just recently started actually listening to, um, the Sunday services probably within the last six months, just because I was kind of, um, you know, reconnecting and reexamining my own faith recently. So you guys have kind of coincided with me coming back to that. Cool. What was your uh, faith history, your upbringing like? Yeah, so um, I grew up in a Christian family, kind of non-denominational. My dad's definitely more strict in his beliefs, kind of set in his ways. He really prioritizes going to church regularly, reading the Bible every day, Um, whereas my mom is, you know, more flexible and kind of open-minded in her faith. She's like the living example of you know, the fruits of the spirit, you know, kindness and gentleness and, and all of that. Um, but they divorced when I was four. So the older I got, the less we went to church. It was mainly just something I did um, in my childhood. 
with my sisters. And then by middle school, we weren't going at all. Uh, to be honest, I was kind of glad because I was always a little afraid of God. Um, yeah. I interpreted the Bible as like a list of rules that you have to follow. And if you mess up or do anything wrong, you're going to be punished or, you know, bad things will happen, burning in hell for eternity, all that <laughs> yeah. fun stuff. Um, stuff. So that was terrifying, even especially as a child. Um, yeah. So it just felt very rigid and closed minded and it was very fear based. Um, so that kind of pushed me away from the Bible a bit. Um, and so to this day, I've actually never really read the Bible, but, um, and in my teenage years, yeah, I definitely partied a lot and was kind of a wild child and was just really self-medicating and dealing with like some clinical depression and self-harming, but was able to get through that. So how I came back to um, Christianity and spirituality in general was through other people's thoughts and interpretations of the Bible to kind of have like a buffer there. It made it seem less intimidating. So I um, started reading a lot of Christian books in my early 20s. I worked at Barnes and Noble as a barista for 12 years. Oh, wow. um, so on, on my lunch breaks, I would kind of go and wander around the store and look at all the books. And I found, you know, Donald Miller, Rob Bell, Shane Claiborne, and was really drawn to all of those and, you know, eventually came across your books. And yeah, I was just on a search to learn more about Jesus specifically, because that was the part of the Bible that did make sense to me yeah. was the message of love and kindness, um, loving people without an agenda and that we should take care of each other. Cause that makes sense to me too, is just um, wanting to live my life that way. Not so I can earn brownie points with God or not to convert anyone or anything like that. Um, but because that's been, the resounding truth of my life is that we're here to help each other and experience love, which is experiencing God. So that's always continually uh, drawn me back to the message of Jesus. Very cool. When you when you started uh, coming across some of those, I guess, more uh, maybe progressive Christian thinkers, was that was that just mm -hmm. was it your upbringing? Is that what kind of sparked that curiosity and, and kind of pulled you? towards wanting to investigate that a little bit more or did you was it like was it just like a, a, a general curiosity i guess what i'm asking is do you think you would have been just as drawn to uh to those thinkers specifically without having been raised in the church um i think part of the influence to be honest um was that at the time i was volunteering with a group called food not bombs and yeah, you guys are familiar totally. yeah so it's a bunch of really awesome like vegan crust punk kids that um, I met actually one of them worked at Barnes and Noble with me. Uh, his name's Ryan. And he told me about their um, sharings that they did where they would share vegan food with the homeless. And I never really spent time with people who were, you know, just so um, open-minded and um, kind of challenged the way things have always been in society and all of that. So being around them and just seeing how open-minded and accepting they were of people, I guess it just kind of put me in a place where I was drawn to authors that would say, you know, things don't always have to be the way that they've always been, or you don't have to just believe something at face value or, you know, especially with helping, you know, the homeless. Like to me, that's something that I feel Jesus would have done. Like, oh, don't just, you know, put food on their plate or give a donation, but actually sit down, have a conversation with them, get to know them, make them feel human. So I think that since that was happening simultaneously as me kind of um, searching for those books and being and being drawn to authors like that, it kind of put me in a mindset of just, I don't know, wanting to 
wanting to explore that more. That's great. And you do, um, I think you mentioned you, you do work with like, uh, you volunteer at equine therapy. I do. Yeah. Cool. So yeah. What, what's that like? It's interesting. Well, I usually do that um, Sunday. So I'm not actually there when um, the the clients or the students are there. I'm. It's just me and the other volunteers and the horses. But yeah, what that organization does is they help um, children and adults with different disabilities. And they offer, you know, therapy services, not just like physical therapy, because riding the horses can help them um, with whatever they're dealing with, whether it's like cerebral palsy or maybe they were in an accident, but they also help people on an emotional level, you know, because animals can be really therapeutic. So they have veterans that will come there struggling with PTSD or, you know, children that are going there that are having some emotional struggles. And, um, yeah, that's just what they do is they work with the horses to, to help people heal from different things. So yeah, volunteering is just something that's always been important to me. Next month, I'm actually going to start volunteering with the Victim Service Center, and they help the victims of like sexual assault and violence. So, wow, that's really heavy stuff, actually. It is. <laughs> it's not the, you know the easiest um, you know like mood boosting type right. thing, but I think it's just it's important. If I have the time and I have the desire, I think that you know why not help people feel safe as much as you can. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's really great to see people who, and you know, in, in Christianese, I guess, in church terms, are living a very Christ-like life, and I'm saying that kind of in air quotes, yeah. but when, when they do that without being motivated, like you said, of eternal damnation, but by internal, internal damnation, you know, or, or mm-hmm. being doing it because they feel like, uh, you know, like you said earlier, uh, getting brownie points or something like that is, is, is yeah. their motivation. Um, I think that's really great. What was it Caputo that said when when Mother Teresa's moment of doubt was when she was the closest to the kingdom of God mm. because she wasn't doing it for an eternal reward. Right. But it was just she mm-hmm. still just was like, This is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And that's when we get closest to the kingdom of God when it's not about you know not about the not about the rewards, payoff at yeah. the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, I totally agree. What um just out of curiosity, what Rob Bell book did you read? Do you remember? Oh God! Um, I like it was Velvet Elvis. I have that sitting on my shelf. But I also have my other favorite by him is um, what we talk about when we talk about God. Oh yeah, that's a really good one. one. And he's done a few like speaking tours as well. One with Pete Holmes, and then one on his own most recently. But yeah, Velvet Elvis stuck to me right in. I was like, okay, this is this makes sense. So yeah, that was a good one for me too. And then uh, what, the the other guy you mentioned, did he write something like jazz? Oh, Donald Miller. Yeah, Blue Like yeah. Jazz. That's where he came up with the apology sticker. Oh. The, from his book. Sorry, as oh, Christians, yeah. we're sorry for being self-righteous yeah, bastards. because they did a confessional booth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then people would get in the confessional booth, but then the Christian would end up doing the confession saying, as a Christian, I'm sorry for being an asshole or being legalistic mm-hmm. or doing all that. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Kind of flipping it on its head. Yeah, and we had to do an ad for Vice Magazine. And so mm. the idea was we were trying to come up with an ad idea, and I was like, let's just do an apology. Cool. Yeah, so yeah. all our best ideas were stolen. <laughs> um, <laughs> damn it. That's okay. Um, not an original thought in this head. <laughs> so what? What? So you listened to Revolution. I mean, was it, you know, what – drew you to kind of put the you know put the earbuds in or whatever you know yeah one reason that i listen to you guys and i think it's probably something you guys hear a lot is how genuine and honest you are you know i 
appreciate how honest you are about your own experiences and the evolution of your faith, especially I've heard both of you guys talk about the subject of mental health. That's huge for me. And I think for a lot of people, I've been dealing with anxiety and panic disorder for 15 years. So to have, you know, just people be so open and so vulnerable about it is really helpful. And another thing I love about the revolution community is that it feels like a conversation. Um, Mm. And by that, I mean, you know, when I'm listening online, the Sunday services, it doesn't feel like a lecture. It's not a person of power telling everyone in the church the things that they're doing wrong or, or claiming to have all of the answers. Instead, you guys, you're humble and you're warm and you're open minded and welcoming. And you support people when they have questions about their faith, too. You know, that doesn't always happen in the Christian community. You know, letting people know it's okay to have questions or feel confused about God. Um, I've dealt with that, especially recently. And you listen to people share their own experiences um, and insight during the afterglow part of the services, which I think is really cool. You give people an opportunity to give their feedback. Um, so everyone's views and feelings are are equally valid. It's a conversation. And I just, I have a lot of respect for that. Well, that's really nice to hear. That's good to hear. Yeah. I mean, we're trying to now incorporate that online. We did a couple yeah. live. Yeah. I watched, I watched one today. Instagram. Oh yeah. You were, I saw your name pop up there. Oh, yeah. you, were, you were watching. Huh? Yeah. So yeah, we're trying that too. And that's weird and yeah, fun and we're, unusual. We're still working the kinks out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got to figure out some of the technological uh, quirks around doing that, but I think it's a step in the right direction. And the thing is, is yeah. too, is because you know it's like it's easier to like embrace those questions when you're not, you know, when you yourself, me myself, I guess. And I know mm-hmm. Caleb has questions. We have doubts as well, you know. So it's not like it's great to be able to be up there and not be the answer person. I feel like there was a time in my life where I felt like I had to have the answers. You know, like the church was a place for answers. And yeah. now I've just realized that it's more of a place for questions, mm. you know, and a place where you bring your doubt in. And and I'm just not there to believe on behalf of anybody because I can barely do that on my own. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then again, that's something that I've never really experienced, you know, even when I was younger and went to church or um any of the, you know, Christian circles I might have like attempted to mingle in growing up. Like, you know, you don't, you don't question God. You don't have doubt. That's not okay. You're just supposed to kind of blindly believe it instead of, you know, working through it or, you know, appreciating the fact that sometimes not knowing something can be a good thing. (laughs) Right. Well, and I think they're just all afraid to admit that they don't know anything, Yeah, you know, and that's the thing Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of those pastors, if they were honest, would be able to, not that they're saying they're not honest, but if they didn't follow in such a tradition, they would be able to be more clear about their own doubts. Mm -hmm. I think for me, hearing people like Rob Bell and Pete Rollins and Brennan Manning and Brian McLaren and John Caputo, hearing their doubts and their questions and their, you know, discourse with scripture really just kind of freed me up to to bring that out yeah you know a lot of what we emulate i think is is what we find attractive in speakers and thinkers like that you know yeah so try to strip them down and just bring it face to face and also share experiences as human beings i mean we're all going through this like life experience of humanity and it's dirty and yeah messy broken yeah and like where does yeah where does religion where does faith fit into all that no I don't know. I don't know either. That's <laughs> what you're going to tell me, Jay. Did you? <laughs> Amy was going to tell us. Oh, yeah. Amy, where, where's that fit in? Oh, <laughs> I mean, I have thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> 
I can share. I mean, I don't have the answers, but I mean, I, I wrestle with that a lot too. If you kind of want my, yes, my please. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I think it's kind of like a parallel. I mean, I know that you've talked a lot about how Jay, how the past you know year of your life has been really difficult. And um, for the past like year and a half of my life, it's been probably one of the toughest and darkest times when it comes to my mental health with anxiety and all that. And it was kind of sparked by just being blindsided by something in my personal life and, and just really broke me and made me question a lot of things, um, including my spirituality. I think that happens a lot when you're just kind of shattered and trying to put yourself back together. Like you just kind of question things and maybe you want to put yourself back together a little differently. Um, But I guess I just, I always had the idea in the past that belief in God or having a relationship with God would make someone exempt from you know pain and suffering Mm, that if you're if you're saved um (laughs) if you relinquish control of your life to god then everything will go well and i found you know that's not true um (laughs) and so i thought i must be doing something wrong or maybe i'm being punished um if something really bad would happen to me or a loved one or you know anyone in the world i would think where is god um how can i trust or believe in God if people are suffering. But I guess what I've realized in this recent dark time in my life is that God is in all of those moments of love and and unity and helping people. It's silly, but it's like the Mr. Rogers quote where he says, um, look for the helpers. You'll always find people who Mm -hmm. are helping. Um, So I realized that God is still with you in your suffering. um, And instead of avoiding it or numbing it, you can acknowledge it and let yourself get through it and grow from it. Um, I don't know. Do you guys ever listen to me without you? The band? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're one of my favorite bands. Uh-huh. Um, Aaron Weiss has a quote where he says, um, the cure for pain is in the pain until again, I forget. And again, he reminds me. So I think about that a lot recently. So whenever I'm having a tough time dealing with a lot of doubt, you know, I'll ask myself, okay, where is God in this moment? And instead of saying it in a way where it's like, okay, if there's suffering, God obviously isn't here. I'll try to change my perspective and say, okay, like, where's God in this moment? Maybe God is in this friend that's responding Mm. to a text that's saying, you know, like, everything's going to be okay, I promise, or at my job. Oh, my God. Like, when I'm working with kids, you know, they're so excited just to exist and they feel so alive. I work at a preschool. Um, So, you know, I can see God like the first time a baby's like taking its steps or the first time a kid plays with Play-Doh or, you know, I don't know, (laughs) like just seeing little, these little moments of joy. Um, And even at my most broken times where I've, I've called my mom and I just feel defeated and the anxiety and the pain, it feels too heavy to hold. You know, I can, experience God in her words of, of reassurance or, you know, if she wants to like say a prayer for me, or even if she just tells me like, you know, I can't tell you when everything's going to be okay, but I, I'm going to be here with you. So yeah, when it comes to like the tough stuff and the questions and doubt and pain and suffering, I either try to try to find God in the moment. And if I can, if it's too tough, then I think, well, how can I be a vessel for God's love for other people regardless of what they believe it's not something again where it has an agenda to it it's just how can i be kind to others and just do the best that i can so i love that so much yeah i mean it makes sense i mean it's it's tough for me to realize how much we find who we are in the suffering 
Yeah. You know, and how oh, much yeah. that kind of burns off a lot of the extra bullshit. I mean, it's really a tough way to, to learn things. Sometimes I feel like, am I stubborn? You know, am I just too stubborn? Mm-hmm. And so I have to like suffer and have panic attacks and go through this stuff to kind of realize who I am. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's, you know, I'm, you know, I've read enough quotes on Instagram to know that it's kind of a general thing is that you do learn in the midst of suffering. Yeah. Yeah. And that's interesting what you're talking about just a little while ago there, Amy. Um, it's almost sounded to me like you're describing how the modern church sometimes almost preaches like a mental health prosperity gospel. We hear the term prosperity gospel and we think of like, oh, if, if you have Christ in your heart and you're you're doing the right thing and, and walking with him, then, you know, you'll be set for life financially and you'll, you'll have all these blessings and stuff. I think maybe the, there's a parallel of that message being taught in a lot of churches about mental health, like, um, even to the extreme degree of people talking about like demonic possession and stuff and being like, oh, well, you're just sad or you're just depressed or you're just anxious because you're possessed or even on a lesser scale, you know, because your walk isn't right with the Lord right. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I've had people tell me that. I've had people tell my family members that. And that's one of the things that pisses me off the very most. It's like, shut the fuck mm-hmm. up right now. Like, you don't know what yeah. you're, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, oh, we're going to lay hands on you and, and, and get rid of the, the demon of your mental illness. It's like, no, get get out of here. And it goes even to the extreme degree of, um, like I was saying, with demonic possession and stuff. I've, I've had uh, a family member be told by, um, I'm going to call him out, uh, International House of Prayer, that he needs to stop taking his lithium for his type 1 bipolar. You know, like to get off of his. Uh, oh no! Yeah, and 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 nothing has made me angrier. That 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 is, a, I think that is a toxic, toxic message. Even if it is well intended, it's just stupid. Yeah, it's, it it is it enrages me. But anyway, yeah, I mean, there is this kind of. Sorry, I was getting no, no. worked up there. The selling of satisfaction, <laughs> like God's going to satisfy you. Yeah, and it seems like that's mm-hmm. to me the opposite. Yeah. Once I realize what grace is and I want to give it to other people, it's not like, oh, this isn't satisfying me. This is making life even tougher because now I'm loving people who don't necessarily love me or necessarily in the in, in, in the world's ideals of deserve a love. Yeah. You know, mm. I'm going to choose to love anyway. And mm. so it's not this like – it's not like – I mean to say that that's happiness is bullshit. I mean yeah. Corinthians 13, everybody's like, oh, it's love. It's so wonderful. I'm like, do you understand what it's saying? It's saying you don't give up. You, you endure you know enduring is not an easy thing to do mm, mm-hmm. you know yeah if it was all fluffy and easy there'd be nothing to endure <laughs> yeah nothing all right no absolutely i have that tattooed on me actually um first corinthians thirteen thirteen. Oh yeah yeah but i i i feel the same way you know like now that i don't have that kind of false belief that you know i get a free pass well i'm a christian so now like everything's going to be easy and everything's going to be good like like you guys are saying, you know, you, you really learn so much in the suffering. It doesn't make it easier <laughs> knowing that, yeah. like, you know, while I'm struggling, oh, well, you know, I'm going to look back on this and be so much stronger. But, um, but yeah, going back to what, you know, you were talking about, Caleb, I completely understand your frustration. And I think it's really important for people to know that it's okay to take medication for mm. mental health or it's okay to go to therapy. Like yeah. therapy has saved my life Me multiple too, times. Yeah. And even if it's not, you know, a quote unquote, like Christian therapists like you know god is in everything so i mean they don't want to have to label themselves as such Mm -hmm. and if it's increasing the love in the world then i feel like god is growing so um yeah i I definitely understand your frustration with that and i think it could 
exacerbate some people's mental health problems if you're telling them they're being possessed by a demon. Yeah, so I agree. <laughs> I think, <laughs> yeah, it might be a little bit more supportive to say what what's helpful to you. Your medication's working. That's great. Yeah. Like, keep taking it. Keep talking to someone. We're here for you. Everyone's different. Different mm. things work for different people. So why don't we leave it up to the person who's dealing with all the struggling to yeah, make those right. choices? I kissed. Christian therapy goodbye. Oh, that's Maybe, good. That's gonna be my next book. <laughs> That'd be a good book. <laughs> I stopped going to therapists who wanted to pray. I was like, okay, we're, we're this is over. <laughs> yeah. I need to go to somebody who can give me meds uh-huh. or tell me how to deal with this problem. I have had two really good uh, Christian therapists when I was when I was younger. You know, they they weren't all about the. I'm going to coin the, the phrase now, the mental health prosperity gospel, yeah, you know, but, yeah. uh, there, there, there are good ones out there, but yeah, definitely knowing your needs and what is meeting them and what is not is very important. I don't know if my therapists are Christians or not. I've been going to them for years. That's probably a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I should probably ask them about their salvation. Yeah. Right. Where they're going <laughs> You've done so much for me. I want to give you something. Yeah. <laughs> you just slam your Bible on the table. Yeah. You're like, listen, we need to have a conversation. I have a ticket. <laughs> have you accepted? <laughs> yeah. If you were to die tonight. Yeah, if you died tonight. Oh, yeah. And face God. Yeah, bring, you my... in, bring your guitar and sing a little bit in the background. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. And just start throwing holy water in there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Forced um, baptism. I want to start seeing an analyst, and I'm sure there's no such thing as a Christian analyst. Yeah. <laughs> How is that different than a therapist, just out of curiosity? Like, what exactly? Um, analysts uh, more go in and deconstruct your go back into your past and try to help help you like, feel, deal with things that are in your unconscious. Oh, and, okay. and therapists are more like help you deal with just the situation as it is now. Like how do you live it? How do you get through it? They're not so much like going into the past. So it's more like Freudian type stuff mm. of like, you know, your mom didn't hold you enough when you were a kid. Mm. And this explains why you, you know, punch people at the gas station. <laughs> I don't do that, but I'm just you – know, <laughs> Whatever. It's you know, a typical Monday for me. Yeah. <laughs> there's always something behind it, and your unconscious is very powerful, so it kind of helps unlock some of that, the okay. unconscious. So. That's really cool. But it's also extremely exhausting and extremely mm. tedious, and most uh, insurance doesn't cover it. So. Yeah, I've, I've heard a little bit about that. I just didn't know what it was called. But, yeah, you know, they say that you can um, – retrain your brain I guess when it comes to like neuroplasticity and all of that you can create um, new ways of thinking and um, kind of go back and uh, fix any of those subconscious beliefs that are causing you pain but it it takes so long you've had your whole life to kind of reinforce those beliefs or those fears so to kind of create a new one it takes time but I think that it's definitely possible yeah I'm doing EMDR and that's that's a really unusual therapy it's where you follow a a dot that goes back and forth and you talk about really dark stuff in your life and it kind of helps rewire your brain. I don't know if I exactly know how it works or even believe that it works, but it has started to work. Mm. So I guess it does work. Okay. And the research says it works. So yeah. it took me a long time to do it because I thought it sounded like wacky. Like, like, yeah, like just, you know, snake oil salesman or something. <laughs> I've heard this helped uh, a lot of people on the spectrum, actually. Really? Yeah. And it helps people with post-traumatic stress disorders. Why it started helping people who were coming out of the military. Huh. Yeah. It helps me a lot. That's it's helped awesome. me a lot with my, my parental issues and family issues. And now it's helping with some other issues that I'm not going to talk about right now. <laughs> give it a year, Jay. <laughs> yeah, I'll give it a year. That's what I do. I give it a year and then I talk about it. <laughs> Still too soon, but what the hell. Well, yeah. well, I guess we should get to our, our question. Yeah. 
Yeah, so uh, if you've heard any of these, you probably know what's coming, but we always like to end by asking, what can we do better? What are we doing that, that you think is working? What can we get better at doing? What maybe is something that we're not doing that we could do? What can we do for you as an online congregation member to to better serve you as a church? Yeah, um, I spent some time thinking about this question because I know you guys asked that, and I was <laughs> kind of racking my brain because I, I honestly feel like you guys are doing so much right. Um, I really like that you are doing, you know, through the podcast, this Meet Your Congregation, because um, it helps create that sense of community, even if listeners can't physically be there. And it can also be encouraging and inspiring to hear other people's stories. For your Sunday services, I really love that you guys aren't afraid to talk about the tough stuff. So keep allowing yourselves to to be vulnerable and authentic and open-minded. I really admire that you guys do that. As far as what you could do differently, the only thing I could think of is kind of random, you know, maybe asking members of the congregation, like maybe each week, if there's any subjects that they want to focus on or anything they have like questions about or they're wrestling with, maybe like to get advice from a spiritual perspective. Um, that could play out in different ways, whether it's, you know, a suggested subject that you incorporate into the message during a Sunday service, or maybe you accumulate like 10 or 15 questions from the congregation and then you do like a whole podcast episode, like a Q&A where you guys just kind of talk about maybe passages from the Bible that could shed light on the issue or give your own perspective that have helped during your own spiritual path. I acknowledge that sometimes there isn't an answer. Sometimes it's just, you know, we're struggling with things and we got to carry each other through it. But if, you know, people can, can offer advice, it can be helpful. Um, and I'm not trying to make you guys therapists for all of your <laughs> listeners or anything like that as much fun as that would be, but just kind of sharing your thoughts. Um, and you could even involve the congregation in answering each other's questions too. Like, mm let's say there was a member of the congregation who, I don't know, they were new to revolution and they didn't feel comfortable going to a physical church or they didn't know how to kind of approach Christianity. And you could even do uh, maybe an Instagram post that just said, Hey, you know, we've got a member of the congregation who's struggling with this, or they don't know how to deal with healing from maybe having bad experiences with Christianity. What has helped you guys um, mm. deal with that. And maybe people in the comments could say, hey, this book really kind of helped me dip my toe back into spirituality. Or, hey, I do this thing that helps me connect with God that's completely outside of a church. Or I live in this city and they're really open-minded at this church. Or, hey, this specific revolution podcast episode really helped me, you know, feel more comfortable. So just a way of creating like a support system online and using social media as a way to bring people together even more than you guys already are. Genius. So kind of- I love that. Yeah, it's a great idea. I Wonderful. think we're going to do that right away. Yeah. Thank oh, you, thank Amy. you. That's a great idea. Of course. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. Finally, one we can use. <laughs> and we, we'll definitely uh, cut this part out of the podcast and take credit for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll pretend that we came up with it. Yeah, I'll just act oblivious. No, that's great. I love that. That's really, really good. I love that a lot. No, thank you. I just I have so much respect for you guys and for everything that you do. So oh, I really appreciate you. you you letting me um, just be a part of of the congregation and letting me you know have a conversation with you guys. It means a lot. Awesome. Well, thanks for being a part. Thanks for listening and thanks for doing this. That really means a lot to us. And the feedback is Absolutely. awesome. Absolutely means a lot. Of course, it keeps us going. You're welcome. It's become my new yeah. fuel. Mm-hmm. Totally. Oh. So. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you. Well, you guys keep doing what you're doing. You help me a lot in life, and I know that you help a lot of people too. And I think you're doing a great job, just being Christ-like. You're you're being very loving and very very helpful. So I think that's awesome. Thanks. Mm. 
Well, thank you so much, Amy. Of course, you're, you're very, welcome. Very encouraging person. It's nice to nice to um, get that. <laughs> I'm that here fuel. for you guys anytime. If you need to pick me up. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck with uh, your new endeavors, and uh, thank you. Yeah, enjoy your sunny weather. <laughs> yeah, I will. Jealous. It was 80 degrees today. I was loving it. Oh, <laughs> yep. my goodness. Not here. Not here. Um, I'm sorry. I'll send you some sunshine. Please there you go. We'll, we'll send you some snow. You send us some sunshine. <laughs> okay. Trade Sounds off. good. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you, Amy. You're welcome. Right. Bye, guys. Bye. Hi. I'm Caleb with Post-Christian Podcasting. If you enjoyed this episode, you might also like The Sacred Collective. So, that's the first... That's like chapter one and two and three... Yeah, there's so many questions I've yeah. ask. Caleb, do you? I, I did have a question. Um, this is kind of personal. If you don't want to answer, you obviously don't have to. I was just curious. Like you, you said, you were falling in love because obviously there were you had committed or you were in the process of committing to being a nun, mm-hmm. and so there was a lot on the line there. And so I'm just curious, what was so strong about your attraction? What it sounds like, what attracted you to um, wanting to be a nun uh, has a lot to do with, you know, being compassionate and caring. Yeah. And it sounds like that bled into all the, the adoption, the foster care and things like that. It, were, were those traits that you, that you saw in Carol that attracted you so much to her? Um, she's strong. She's really strong. And all of the values that I have were her exact values too. Uh-huh. And we complemented each other a lot in that, like, she's really practical and I'm probably more excited. Uh-huh. Let's go do this, and, uh-huh. and um, so we really balanced each other really well. Um, but I think her strong commitment to justice and God, mm-hmm. um, and she's awesome. As mm-hmm. one of the people at church said, she is just a little bundle of awesome, <laughs> and she is. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And I, 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 but I was aware, like I was actually sitting in church at like six thirty in the morning, and. Um, Carol was playing guitar, mm. and I'm sitting in the pews, and I just thought she's so stunning, mm. and I just thought everybody has got to be noticing how stunning she is, and so I like I look around thinking everybody's going to be staring at Carol because she's so awesome, <laughs> and um, in fact all of them are like looking at their Bibles, praying their rosary, looking at their toes, looking at the priest, mm. whatever, and I was like, duh, they're all nuns, of course they're not looking at Carol, <laughs> they're praying, you know, we're in the middle of mass here, right. so. Um, it was just like, oh, Kathy, mm. <laughs> really, yeah. yeah, falling in love. So, wow. yeah. That was a post-Christian podcast. <laughs>